Welcome back to Two Knicks Talk Sports, episode three. Uh, week three of the NFL season, wrapping up this past Monday. Uh, going into week four, coming up. Got to be a quarter of the way through the NFL season and about a quarter of the way through the fantasy season. Um, three episodes, about to be three episodes in. Um, I'm Nick Minacchio, here with Nick St. Lawrence. Yo! Uh, how are we doing? We're doing good, man. Um, a, another week in the books. Uh, crazy week at that. It's been a, it's a wild ride, both for regular f- football as well as fantasy. A lot of injuries to cover. Um, we have some other topics to cover as well outside um, football, which we'll go over. Um and that leads us kind of right into our first topic, Nick. Yeah, so I think we're going to switch it up this week. Um, big topic here in the Northeast. We're both huge Celtics fans. Um, uh, the, the, the news came out, and I'm not even positive what day it came out, but it, it came out around 2 a.m. Woj broke the story about Ime Udoka and him may being, maybe being suspended for a season. Um the the news came out and everyone had you know different opinions on the whole topic what was going on um you know whether it was uh you know him cheating on his wife with a staff member with you know someone's wife in the organization there was a there was a bunch of different scenarios that got floated out there on twitter i know i was following a bunch of them uh i don't think we still know i guess a ton of the facts we were talking about this offline but um, really what happened to this point, but we did want to touch touch base on it. Basketball is coming up, you know, within a month and a half or so, six weeks out, I believe they're out, something like that, um, and how this was going to affect the Celtics, basically. Um, so just some thoughts, opinions, and, and uh, you know, I guess doomsday scenarios versus best-case scenarios on, on the season for the Celts. So um, overall opinion on Udoka and his situation. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's unfortunate. Uh, I mean, this guy, first-year coach, brings us to, you know, the NBA Finals. We're a couple games away from, you know, winning a championship. Uh, things were looking good in the beginning of offseason. We picked up a key, a couple of key pieces to um, our team in Brogdon and Gallinari. Uh, we lost Gallinari to an injury playing overseas. And then we hear that um, Robert Williams gets some uh, surgery on his knee. Uh, for a lingering issue that happened in the playoffs. And then all of a sudden at 2 a.m. we find out that Emi Adoka is suspended from the Celtics for inappropriate, inappropriate relations with a staff member. Um, the way that it all went down was kind of unfortunate because not a lot of information um, given to us on top of the fact that, uh, you know, why this information was actually being leaked by, you know, uh, the Celtics organization. Um, it led to a rash of, you know, uh, possible scenarios and, and gossip that was, you know, circling the Twitter universe um, until finally, you know, uh, our command staff, you know, was able to at least answer some of the uh, questions and obviously Adoka got suspended for the entire season. Uh, what do you think, Nick, and uh, what do you think this means for the Celtics moving forward? So first off, I think the, the whole situation is it was weird how all the <clears throat> how all the news came out i think we all kind of agree that it was weird that it came out at 2 a.m uh, 
a lot of news isn't breaking overnight you know, specific to that type of stuff. I think the situation that they suspended him for a season but they didn't fire him is also a weird scenario there. And we were talking about this prior too, but they didn't fire him twofold. You know, They didn't fire him because I, I think they wanted to see what the backlash is going to look like from a PR perspective. But also they didn't fire him because they know he's a good coach and they don't want him getting scooped up by... Brooklyn, Philly, you know, any of the the contending teams in the West, that type of stuff. They don't want him getting scooped up and, and getting put out um, as a head coach somewhere else and coming back to haunt them. Um, with that being said, him missing the season and Missoula taking over doesn't change anything, in my opinion, for the team and their goals for the season. I still think it's a championship season for them, especially coming off of a finals appearance last year. Um, they return arguably a better team than they had last year with Brogdon coming over. Obviously, Gallinari's, it, it sucks that he's not going to be there this year, but um, Horford's another year older, but in a good sense, so are Tatum and Brown. I think they have a really good, deep team. I mean, we were talking about this offline again, but they're starting five could go a number of different ways with Horford starting with uh, uh, Derek White in a starting position. So it's going to be interesting to see how they come out of camp and what, I guess what they ultimately, what they look like. But to me, nothing, nothing changes for the team. I I, I still think they're a a top two or three team in the East and they're going to have to play like it. It all just hangs on, you know, the health of Robert Williams and the health of the, you know, the Jays. Yeah, I, you know, um, couldn't agree more. I mean, I'm pretty amped. Missoula is a Rhode Island kid, you know. Um, Johnson. So, so I, I mean, that's awesome. I hope, you know, uh, good things for him. You know, sucks that's the way he's taking over as, you know, a uh, first-time head coach in the circumstances in which uh, it's happening. Um, but I think that, you know, he's been around the team. The team seems to have some kind of uh, bit of confidence in them. You know, he was there when we made our run. The big thing is, is that we just need that maturity that we gained uh, throughout the playoffs and going to the finals. Uh, as far as talent is concerned, I think our two superstars are still going to be superstars. I'm hoping guys like Grant Williams, you know, with another year under his belt, you know, make that leap if, if you know, Hawford, you know, uh, tends to uh, fall off a little bit, you know, due to, you know, one more a year uh, of playing and uh, being a year older, uh, but maybe they can preserve him. You know, like you said, we're a pretty deep team, so maybe, you know, uh, tap- tapering his minutes, you know, in the regular season. On top of the fact that um, the Celtics are seeking permission to talk with the Clippers assistant, uh, Jay Laranega, about joining the interim staff with Joe Mazzulla. So uh, having Laranega back could be a, a bright spot for the Celtics if, if that was able to, you know, happen. Um, again, that's uh, just... Uh, stuff that you know was reported on twitter i don't know whether or not that's actually going to happen but i think that could be a uh definitely a a good piece to the celtics if we can get back him back on the coaching staff i mean just looking at the east right now uh, before before the season starts looking at the east who you know we're 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 looking on paper right now so this this can go one of two ways but who do you think is a better team right now, the Celtics or the Heat? Celtics. Celtics or the 76ers? Celtics. So, I mean, that's, to me, 
two of their three big competitors uh, up against the Bucks. Um, I still think the Bucks, when fully healthy, I think Middleton's a problem. Obviously, Giannis is arguably the best player in the world, so they're they're going they're going to be a problem. Um, I still think they're better than than the Heat and the Sixers. I think Harden and Embiid is a hell of a one-two, but you know so is Brown and Tatum. Um, I just think they're. I think ultimately a lot falls on Robert Williams coming back healthy and able to play, you know, 50, 60 games, something along those lines. I just think they're better than a lot of these teams to start the season, and they should beat up on a lot of them hopefully in the beginning of the season and not have a slow start, you know, like they did last year. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's unfortunate because the Eastern Conference is stacked. I mean, uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good teams. A lot, a lot of teams got better in the East. Uh, Atlanta Hawks got some key players. The Cavaliers got uh, some better players. Brooklyn will have um, uh, another piece of a big three back. Whether or not all this stuff, all these people can play together, those are things to, uh, yet to be seen. This is why I have more faith in the Celtics because that we've all been together. Um, you know, adding Brogdon, I think, is going to be a, a awesome piece to our uh, backcourt. So we'll, we'll see. Um, again, unfortunate blow to have this happen, uh, and it, it creates, you know, negative noise uh, for the Celtics. But, again, the the key pieces, which are the players are actually playing the game and on the court, they're still there. So um, I agree with you. I think that, you know, uh, we should be the favorite to come out of the East, uh, but it's going to be no easy route uh, regardless. And it's very hard to go back, you know, uh, a second year in a row. So um, I'm excited for the, the season to start. So absolutely. But uh, we, we did want to cover that and we will be covering not only football, but I'm sure that we'll at least be covering uh, some Celtics uh, when they uh, yeah. Start as we get closer into training camp, you know, get into some of these preseason games, we'll we'll dive a little bit more into, I guess, some of the some of the depth charts in the in the East and the West, and 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 more or less like where the Celtics are going to match up against these teams, and you know how they're going to look for the season. But um, we'll hop over uh, we'll hop over to the NFL and recap a little bit of Week Three, um, some crazy games again across the board. Um, the Thursday night game, we all thought it was going to be, you know, a snooze fest of, of a game. Uh, the Steelers at the Browns ended up being uh, a little crazier than anticipated. Uh, the Browns ended up winning by 12, which was a, a wild fourth quarter. But uh, the Steelers put up a pretty decent fight. I think my one takeaway um, on this game is ultimately that it's 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 going to lead to Trubisky starting maybe one more week. Um, I think eventually they're going to have to push it over to Pickett. In the game itself, you could see Pickens frustrated with Trubisky, saying that he was wide open. Um, yeah, the, you can just tell some of the guys on the Steelers think that they should be better and know that they're better than their offenses right now, and Trubisky's just not getting it done. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't make the move already at this point in time, to be honest with you. I think that... Uh... They gave him a chance, um, you know. Uh, basically, if it wasn't for the defense, game one, they could be, you know, uh, they could be winless this season. On the flip side, everyone wrote off the Browns because they were going to be without their starting quarterback. Jacoby Brissett has been uh, more than functional. Uh, Nick Chubb's a stud. Still, 23 carries, 113 of TD. He just uh, keeps getting it done. He gets overlooked. Uh, I'm mad I didn't take him in fantasy. He's uh, yes, same. He's just 
You're very good. Uh, Mari Cooper's another one. Um, I'm sure that Dallas is kicking themselves in the butt by getting rid of, that, rid of him. Uh, he's been pretty good the last two weeks. And then Njoku finally uh, will, broke out nine receptions, 89 yards, and a touchdown. Other than that, don't really have too much takeaways from this game. Um, both I don't see going very far uh, into the playoffs. If that, if Fitzpatrick, uh, Mika Fitzpatrick, that is, from the Steelers, getting banged up. He's in concussion protocol. Questionable for week four. Um, not looking good as far as everything that I saw today. I don't think he was he was practicing or anything of that nature. So that's just something to watch for them. I mean, him on the defense, he's he's definitely one of the best players on that defense. One of the best defensive players in the in the league. If he doesn't play, they're in they're in trouble. Yeah, I mean, you you already lost Watt. Now you know. Uh, yes. Your coverage over the top is is gone. Yeah, they're going to be struggling. Their offense really doesn't have an identity. So yeah, I, I would I would agree. I mean, sometimes next man up is the next man's just not good enough. Yeah, yeah <laughs> agree. Uh, and, and tough shoes to fill with, you know. Fitzpatrick, yeah, no doubt. So. We'll see. That kind of goes into the the next uh, game uh, on Sunday. The Texans Bears talking about not having an identity and just being a kind of a putrid game. Um, the Bears are just awful. Um, they don't. They don't pass the ball uh, nearly enough. I think the only bright spot to this entire game was the fact that uh, Montgomery went out. So uh, it stinks for all the managers that have him, but Claire Herbert came in. He was a stud, 20 carries, 157, and two TDs. He's just needed an opportunity to shine, and he did that. Other than that, uh, I don't really have any takeaways for this game. Um, Houston side, Damian Pierce, he had 20 carries. You know, big, big week for the rookie. Uh, he did not practice today either. He's questionable, um, so just something to keep an eye on for Houston. Outside of that, there wasn't there wasn't a ton, you know, there wasn't a ton in this game. It wasn't the most exciting game. You know, a three point fourth quarter is is, is kind of a uh, a snoozer of a fourth quarter. Um, Justin Fields passed the ball seventeen times. Two more interceptions. Seventeen times and only completed eight of them. Um, I think week two, he only passed like 11 times or something like that. Just not going to get it done. Yeah, I'm just not. I'm not. I'm not sold on whether it's Fields or whether it's the coaching staff just not allowing him to play. Because I, I, I think you and I were very similar in in the going into the draft that we wanted Fields on the Pats, and I was high on Fields coming out of college. I know a lot of these Big Ten quarterbacks don't pan out. A lot of the times, Ohio State guys don't. Um, I, I still semi-believe in him. I don't know what – they're just not allowing him to – I mean, they're bad with him not passing the ball, so what's the difference if he does pass the ball? They might lose by more, I guess, but um, at least give themselves a shot. Seven for 11 last week with no touchdowns and another interception. I yeah. mean, doing some stuff with his legs, but uh, even still. But just uh, not even giving them the yeah, opportunity is, is pretty tough. And that brings us to the next game. Uh, what do we have? Uh, next game was the Raiders at the Titans. So I believe the only 0-3 team in the league at this point is the Raiders. Um, that conspiracy theory is looking more real. McDaniels uh, is going to get fired year one. We'll see. I, I believe week four they have a tough game that they're they're. I believe they're at home, but they have a tough game coming up. They play Denver, um, and that is. I don't. It, starting 0 and 4 is going to be very, very tough. I know you don't fire a first-year coach, you know, four games in, but that's not a good look. Um, one takeaway, well, my my big takeaway was um, 
Matt Collins, his his coming out party in this game, eight for one fifty eight. I I don't think anyone saw Matt Collins Dude, more yards, more receptions than a lot of wide receiver ones in the in the league. Definitely more than his teammate Devontae Adams. Now I know there was no Hunter Renfro, so Hollins got to fill in a little bit that role, but Carr looked for him a lot. And uh, he, yeah, and he and he delivered. So uh, I don't I don't know how that will be moving forward, but he'll definitely be a, a waiver wire guy this week for sure. Yeah, it's wild. Uh, you know, everyone keeps talking about the fact that you know, um, oh, this will only happen because Renfro was out with a concussion. Well, he got eight targets last week. Uh, if you look at you know the the red zone um, target list, he's he's high pretty high up on that list. So. Um, for whatever reason it is, um, you know, uh, Derek Carr is, you know, uh, looking his way. Uh, so a guy, uh, I agree, could be on the waiver wire this week. Um, I don't know, you know, what's up with Devontae Adams. Had two down weeks in a row. So I, I would put my money on him having a come out party this week uh, against uh, Denver. But again, no easy feat going against Denver's D. They're pretty stout. So we'll, uh, we'll find out. Uh, on the flip side of the ball, Again, not not too much of an identity uh, for uh, Tennessee. Derek Henry ran the ball pretty well. Other than that, um, Traylon Burks was uh, definitely a, he, he. They're not giving him the ball. I know the o, the offensive coordinator from Tennessee came out and said he wants to give him the ball more, and I don't blame him. Um, the kids looked good, but he's, two targets, one for thirteen. That's it. Yeah, I mean that's a Tannehill thing. That's that's definitely an issue. The Titans don't look good, so we'll. I mean, we'll see where they where they go from here. But um, yeah, not not a great start for either of those teams. Uh, next game up in the docket here was the Chiefs at the Colts. So a down game from a scoring perspective, a uh, total of 37. I want to say the over under in this game was 49, 48, 49, something like that. So I mean, way under. Um, Mahomes it had a decent game. I, I think I think Kelsey helped out tremendously there. I know Juju had a decent game, five for eighty-nine. Um, Mahomes has been held in check for for Patrick Mahomes. You know, obviously two sixty-two through the air and a touchdown is is not a bad game, but I think from what we've come to see of Mahomes over the years, that that's not you know his type of his type of performance at all and um they they don't run the ball very well either Kansas City's gonna have a problem running the ball so I mean, it's all uh, gonna be on his shoulders it was weird because CEH you know came into the year um hot he was one of the hotter running backs you know doing pretty good a lot of people were not very high on him um he had seven carries for zero yards and a touchdown i don't even know how, he, how that even happens but uh seven carries zero yards in a td um again they don't really have a ground game stinks that you know mahomes loses the game on an interception um india on the flip side they were supposed to have a great defense but they were without uh, a bunch of key parts on defense so i didn't think they were actually uh gonna stand a chance um deforest buckner was out uh, Shaquille Leonard uh, has been back, uh, was also out. So uh, I didn't I didn't think, you know, they were going to stand a chance. And um, realistically, we talked about the week before, the Chargers had a pick six in the end zone, which turned that game around. Had that not happened, I mean, there's a chance right now that, you know, um, the Chiefs are one and two. So yes. um, 
kind of changes my um, my thought process on the power rankings, and maybe they are missing Tyreek Hill a little bit. Um, uh, Matt Ryan needed this win. They were off to a bad start uh, in Indy, so um, kudos to him to, to have that. I think those Jonathan Taylor owners are really not getting the return on investment for the number one pick in the draft at this moment in time. Um, and then Michael Pittman uh, picked up where he left off. Uh, eight receptions, 70 yards, didn't find the end zone, but no one else really to throw to. He's going to be a target hog in that offense. So I'm not a, I'm not a Taylor owner, but I'm just going to ask you, you know, off the cuff. You're a Taylor owner right now. You probably have panic because he was your number one pick. I'm assuming if you got him, at least you know at the worst he was your second pick, uh, second pick of the first round. Are you selling him? Are you a hold on him right now? What, what you know? What would you do if you have Taylor? Um, I'm still a hold. I mean, I think the guy's super talented. Um, I think Indy, once they figure out maybe uh, their offensive identity and the receiving game, that's going to open up more holes for him. Um, again, we get a bunch of guys back. Uh, I mean, out on their defensive end, I think if they can, you know, hold people and have you know uh, more time on offense, I think that he'll he'll be good later in the season. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'd be concerned too uh, if he was your number one pick. I mean, those are the guys that you want to ensure um, are your breadwinners those first couple rounds. Uh, in the uh, in the draft, and if they're not panning out, it's 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 hard to trust those you know uh, three through eight picks of being your you know number one option on your fantasy team. So um, we'll see, but I would hold them. How about you? All right, all right. Uh, no, I mean I don't own them anywhere, but I, I think selling them selling low on Taylor is a bad idea. I mean we also we did it last year, and all it's going to take is you know a, a two week stretch of you know 120 yards and. Uh, a touchdown each week where people are going to get back to, okay, he's the best player or in fantasy type of thing. Yeah, um, short-term memory, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, again, fantasy season's short. Sometimes you, you can't wait if you're 0-3 and you drafted him first. Um, if you can get a decent return on him, I mean, I'm not – I wouldn't, but, you know, just a thought. Yeah, if you're, if you're stacked at receiver and you can package him for, you know, one of those other stud running backs and you're not going to be at a loss for, you know, receiver, I would say, you know – uh, do it, you know, if you're starting out 0-3 or something in your in Agreed. your league. Uh, otherwise, I wouldn't I wouldn't do uh, much with it. Um, the next um, uh, game on the docket is probably the marquee matchup of the week: uh, Buffalo Bills at Miami. Um, most people probably had money on the Bills this week, uh, but it was a crazy game. Um, came down to the very last, you know, moment of the game, which was amazing to watch from a, a, just a fan of football. Uh, ending score was 21-19. What, uh, what do you think about that game, then? So the the big thing that came out this this week was two were getting banged up before halftime, you know, standing back up, stumbling over to the sideline. Everyone thought, okay, he's done. You know, he's got a concussion. He's going to be out. He has CTE, and God knows <laughs> what's going to happen to him long term. Um, it came it came in that he had a back injury somehow, which I'm not understanding how it was a back injury. It didn't look like a back injury. It looked like he slammed his head on the turf. He came back in, had a decent second half, even though they only scored seven points. Um, you know, everyone's talking Tua up, and I'm I'm not a Tua hater by any means, but he threw 18 passes and they scored 21 points. Uh, they're making him out to be you know Warren Moon type of player, and I think his defense is good, and they they almost bailed him out this week. Um, Allen threw the ball 63 times, also ran it eight times. 
I'm not sure what you know how much more he can do there at all. Um, but yeah, my my big takeaway is Tua is you know even from a fantasy perspective, I think he's okay. I think he's a uh, you know a bottom B tier type of quarterback. But from an NFL perspective, the Dolphins are very good. They're very very good. They're going to win in definitely different ways. Um, they've won two defensive battles so far, and then they've also you know, blew up and been, looked like they were going to be the best offense in football. So uh, they're a good all-around team, and they can win in different ways. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll tell you what, if you own Josh Allen in fantasy, uh, you know, uh, he, he's still playing dividends, I don't think, as good as Lamar Jackson has been, and I'm sure we'll talk about him in a few. Um, I mean, Josh Allen is still playing like the number one quarterback in the league, and yeah. he's passing the ball 63 times. I mean, it's hard not to get some value on him, and it, it allows with you, no turnovers yeah, either. Uh, it, yeah, exactly, uh, and it allows you to be able to have a few receivers that you can start on a week in and week out basis from a fantasy uh, standpoint. Um, you know, Stephon Diggs is going to do Stephon Diggs things. Uh, you know, Gabe Davis is back, but then you know Isaiah McKenzie had a touchdown, seven for seventy-six on nine targets himself. He actually dropped the second t- could be touchdown. So he could easily had a bigger day and had two touchdowns. And then uh, their leading running back, Devin Singletary, has been proving doubters wrong now for the end of you know the last seven games of last season, and then all the start of this season. He's he's been you know um, someone that uh, you can rely on uh, not only from a fantasy uh, fantasy perspective, but I say that Josh Allen definitely um, you know leans on him and trusts him. Uh, on the flip side, I mean, I agree. Tua is probably a B. B-tier uh, quarterback. The issue is, is that he's got Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, and those guys can do a lot with nothing. So um, on top of, uh, I think no one's given enough credit to Mike McDaniel, who came over from San Fran, and he looked like, you know, he's earning that starting uh, coach job, and he's starting the, the year 3-0. Um, so, coach of the year yeah, so far. So uh, good job to him. and uh, But we'll see, again, long long season left. Um, the next game up we had was Detroit played at Minnesota. Uh, Minnesota ended up winning 28-24. This was this game was uh, a, a tough game for a number of, you know a number of reasons. Dalvin Cook banging up his shoulder and getting injured. DeAndre Swift also getting banged up. Uh, I believe it was his shoulder as well. Um, and you know both life, both of the mm-hmm. both of the stud running backs are going to be out. You know, in, in some capacity, I believe they've said so far that that Cook is going to be good for Week Four, but that's to be determined. And Swift is looking like he's going to be out, you know, two or three weeks, which you know makes Jamal Williams, uh, you know, an automatic start in my mind. And if he isn't rostered at this point in in your league, which I'm assuming he is in most leagues, but he's probably the number one waiver guy um, so far. And, uh, overall just, again, Detroit is fun to watch. They, they put up points, they let up points. A lot of their games are just entertaining. Yeah. You, you said it, uh, before the season, all I should say, uh, podcast one that Detroit is going to be one of those teams that is fun to watch. And it's wild because this game was up, down, up, down. Um, you know, uh, they scored first, uh, and then, uh, they scored again, Minnesota, you know, uh, tied it up. Uh, then Detroit scores 10 in the third to go up, and then they just you know, let up two touchdowns at the end. Uh, KJ Osborne had a pretty big touchdown to kind of seal the game. Um, Amon St. Brown got banged up a little bit in that game. Uh, yeah, Jamal, he was in and out. Jamal Williams, you know, siphoning uh, 
uh, touchdowns away from Swift. Swift ended up getting injured. Uh, I think what's wild about this Cook-Swift thing is that Swift supposedly has uh, a sprain to his shoulder, and he's, they say they're going to keep him out. Yet Dalvin Cook, even though he has a lingering issues from previous years, he dislocated his shoulder, and they're talking about him pop, potentially playing this week. Just doesn't make any sense to me, especially when you have a guy like Alexander Madison behind you. I think, um, it, you know, once we go to a waiver wire uh, column, I think uh, Madison's going to be a guy that you want to add. Um, we'll talk about that later. And potentially even Craig Reynolds as Jamal Williams' backup. Um, but uh, that's really all I have for a, a take home from uh, this game. Um, yeah, I didn't have much more from that. Golf is proving me wrong for sure. I, I, I think golf was more I thought he was going to be more of like a turnover machine than he is he's he's spreading the ball around he's putting up you know decent fantasy numbers I feel like at this point he's a week or two away from you know cracking like that top 10 fantasy quarterback type of role he's got a very good offense around him obviously losing Swift is going to be a a, you know a big play there but a lot of their um, I mean Hawkinson we don't talk about Amron St. Brown is obviously there. Reynolds played well this week. I mean, they got guys all over the place that make plays. Jamal so. Williams isn't even back yet. So, that, I mean, it's just another weapon. I, I believe coming out of college, he was like, you know, probably my favorite wide receiver has been, you know, coming off that, you know, uh, ACL injury. So, yeah, taking yeah, yeah. it back slow. But, I mean, he, he could be nasty. So Yeah, and he should, be, he should be back to, by the middle of the season. So, um, next one up is this game. Home team. Yeah, this game was tough to watch. Ravens at the Patriots. Lamar Jackson played like the MVP. Um, he was unstoppable. He ran all over the Pats, which I did not think he was going to do. Typically, the, the, the Pats play him at least reasonably well on the ground. Um, Mack threw three interceptions. He could have thrown eight uh, by my count. He was fucking horrendous. Devontae Parker showed up, which was good to see, I guess. I'm not really sure, I guess, if I trust him moving forward, it, I mean, last week it was Aguilar. This week it was Devontae Parker. You know, it is what it is. But I think uh, from a homer perspective, the you know, the big takeaway was Jones getting injured at the end of the game, going to be out multiple weeks for the Pats. Uh, Patriots turning to Hoyer at this point, which is going to be, you know, a disaster like we all think it's going to be. And uh, the Pats could be, depending on this, how this injury plays out, this Pats could be um, looking at an early, early uh, playoff exit. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I didn't have high hopes for the Patriots come into this season uh, due to, you know, coaching changes and the roster that we had. Um, but, I mean, as bad as Mac was and he did not play good, the play calling is just absolutely terrible and not setting them up for success as well. So um, it's just um, it's painful to watch as a Pats fan. Um, we're still in that old school mentality, and you know uh, everyone you know talked about you know Bill's the guy, and some people like Tom's the guy. Uh, well, it, it it seems to be that um, they kind of needed each other at this point in time, and. Bill's just not getting it done since Tom left, and you know we need some young bloods and you know uh, on this team and the coaching staff to change the ways because yeah you know, the way that's going right now it's just not working. I I will say I was happy to see you know Stevenson get involved. I think he's our one most, bright spot. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, you know uh, our most talented overall you know running back, and he had a good game, which is you know good from a normal football standpoint, but also from a fantasy standpoint. But on the flip side, Lamar Jackson we talked about earlier. He I mean. This guy is just unbelievable right now. He's playing 
probably uh, the, he's probably the MVP of the league at this moment in time. I mean, the guy's throwing multiple touchdown passes every week on top of he's back-to-back over 100 yards rushing um, in back-to-back weeks. I think, you know, I said that as a pure rusher, he's top five in the league. Well, he's, he's fifth right now uh, tied for most rushing yards in the NFL, and he's a quarterback. So uh, just uh, playing unstoppable right now. And Andrews was a safety blanket uh, against us, at eight for 89, two TDs, and had some awesome catches. And um, yeah, he looked great. I mean, I just hate that to happen against the Patriots. And yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't go to Zap and the the rookie quarterback at this point and see what he has because you already know what Hoyer is. Um, I don't think he's winning us any games personally. Um, yeah, I mean the ten and a half point underdogs going into Green Bay and Green Bay's, you know, not world beaters at this point. So it's not looking good with with Hoyer. It it. It sucks that Mac got hurt. Um, you know, Mac wasn't having the greatest season. Obviously, five picks through three games is not a good number by any means. But you know, was excited to see him this year and and you know, kind of see how the offense could could pan out. Um, one more touch. One more, I, I guess, touch on the uh, Baltimore guys. Um, J.K. Dobbins was back. He didn't look great by any means. Um, still took kind of like second fiddle to Justice Hill. But also, Mark Andrews, the guy is, I don't think he gets enough, enough love. He's on pace for you know, 1,300 yards, 10 TDs, something like that again. I mean, he is basically, if there's anyone that's close to Gronk, I'm not a Kelsey fan, but he's all he's the closest to Gronk that there's going to be. I believe last year he broke the record for most yards by a tight end in a season. He's on pace to do something similar again this year. He's just you know, borderline unguardable. They, no one has, you know, proved that they can guard him this year. They couldn't do it last year, so he's just on another level. So anyone that got him, you know, late second, early third, or even late third, something like that, they got a steal because he could end up as tight end one, even though Kelsey's putting up good numbers too. But he could end up as tight end one. He could end up as a top ten pass catcher in general um, from the tight end position, which is just huge value. Huge, yeah, I mean, huge, those huge two guys are in a field of their own with, you know, in the tight end category. Uh, similar to that uh, last year, but uh, it's happening, you know, uh, again this year. And, yeah, he's a stud. Um, next one up, we have the Bengals and the Jets. I got burned here. I uh, hand up. I, I bet the Jets. And they fucked me. Which is wild because we get a stake with the theme, Nick, and the theme is it's the Jets, they suck, and Joe Flacco sucks. Uh, I'm going to bet him again this week and <laughs> see how it goes. Uh, Flacco threw 52 passes, Flacco which is un- unbelievable. That's not a winning scenario. With no touchdowns and two interceptions. Killing it. That is not a winning scenario for the Jets. Um, T. Higgins had a good game going, 5 for 93, he got really banged up. He has CT right big, now, immediately. Big, big hit. Uh, didn't look good. No. Um, another uh, a touch on one of their receivers, what is going on with Jamar Chase? Uh, well, I'll tell you what, what, what's happening with Jamar Chase. Um, his name is um, Sauce Gardner. Uh, oh. he, 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 was, uh, he was guarding the majority of the game, and this dude's been shutting down pretty much anyone he plays. Um and usually, uh, usually Jamar Chase is talking trash back, and he's winning those battles. He still ended up with six for twenty-nine a TD, but um, it wasn't on uh, a Gardner. So uh, I, I would say if there's any bright spot, there's a few on the Jets. Um, 
Sauce Gardner on the defensive end has uh, has showed up this year. Um, so kudos to him. Um, you know, as being one of the best defensive backs right now in the NFL. Uh, but yeah, uh, Jamar Chase did not uh, did not show up this week. T. Higgins coming out of uh, concussion protocol last week is now concussed again. I'm literally worried about you know what uh, this means. You know, this might be a multiple game absence for him. On top of the fact that the hit itself looked terrible. Yeah. It did. Um, uh, Tyler Boyd had a pretty good game. He actually. Uh, had a catch. He should have been a sure tackle. He kind of uh, spun off the tackle and you know had a pretty long run, 56-yard run, I believe, to a, a touchdown, which was a pretty nice play. Um, I think Boyd had a thousand-yard season. I could be wrong. Before they drafted Chase or or Higgins or one of them, I believe he had a thousand-yard season. I mean, uh, so he's capable pretty, of pretty, filling yeah, in for sure. Definitely a guy that. Uh, if he's available on your waiver wire, will be somebody that we might talk about. Um, he's owned in a lot of leagues, but one of those guys because he has so many mouths to feed in that offense. You know, um, he either is on your bench and you might want to think about starting him, or if he's on uh, waivers, you might want to try out and go out and snag him. One more um, practice, I guess, uh, uh, throughout the week to focus on is Mixon didn't finish the game. P. Ryan did. Um, they said Mixon's going to be, you know, practice and play this week. But um, if P Ryan's out there and you and you have Mixon, obviously a good handcuff to have there. P Ryan's looked okay so far, but Mixon didn't finish the game. I don't think he played the fourth quarter. Um, I mean, they were comfortably ahead. I don't think they needed to bring him back, so it could have been a, you know one of those scenarios. But just in case it's a little bit more than they're leading on, and he doesn't end up playing this week. Yeah, uh, agreed. Now, a couple things to take home from the Jets, even though I really don't want to talk about them for more than I have to. Brees Hall, um, one of their uh, one of the top prospects uh, in, in this year's uh, NFL draft. Um, he uh, he's been playing pretty good this season. Uh, that one-two punch between him and Michael Carter is a pretty good one. Uh, I don't know whether or not we talked about last week if they're going to get a more balanced attack. Um, once uh, Zach Wilson comes back, and it seems to me that he got cleared to play. He might be playing this week, so I don't know what the identity of the offense is. I will say that Tyler Conklin right now is like the, in fantasy and statistical purposes, like the third best tight end in football, kind of flying under the radar. Might be a guy you want to add on your waiver wire. I don't know how that's going to look when, you know, um, Wilson comes back. And then uh, secondly, you had Garrett Wilson, who's been uh, kind of a, a shining star for them on the offensive side uh, when everyone thought it was going to be Elijah Moore. So, again, with that quarterback change, I don't know what the outlook in that offense is going to be. Uh, and also, Garrett Wilson took a pretty big lick uh, uh, during this game, and he had, a, he had to go out for a little bit, but was able to finish the game. But finished with 6 for 60, uh, didn't find the end zone. But a couple bright spots, and, and there's some you know uh, uncertainty with a, a possible quarterback change uh, in New York. Um, next game up we have is uh, Philly at Washington. Um, Philly you took this game pretty comfortably, 24 to 8. They scored all 24 points in the second quarter, and looked like they were on pace to, you know, uh, for to put up, you know, 50. Um, Hertz, three touchdowns through the air. Uh, he looked really good. Didn't didn't contribute a ton from a rushing perspective, 20 yards. Um, a, to be honest, in general, Philly didn't run the ball that well. They only had 72 yards on the ground. Uh, Devonta Smith. Eight for 169. The uh, the Batman cape that they put on him on the sideline is uh, is an ongoing joke now that 
that Smith and Brown are both Batman and uh, that neither of them are a Robin at this point. So something to watch for the rest of the season is, you know, which one is going to outperform the other. It, it's, it's, it's funny to see, um, I guess, an Eagles team be confident enough where the, the receivers are arguing over who's the best receiver and uh, that they're, they're good enough to do so. But Hertz is going to be in that MVP conversation too, as long as they, you know, keep throwing the ball and uh, keep winning. I mean, the three and zero. Yeah, I mean, Hurts didn't have to run the ball that much uh, this week, nine for twenty. Uh, but we talked about this off air before our podcast even started. Devonta Smith was a guy that I was pretty high on because they got AJ Brown. It kind of allows him not to be that main focus. And I'll tell you what, uh, he's he's returning uh, on investment right now. It eight for one sixty nine and one uh, TD. And I tell you what. You know, that cool uh, competition between uh, teammates is something that's going to push each other to be better. Um, and if they keep rolling on teams, I mean, they're just going to keep feeding on that confidence and it's going to help them. Uh, on the flip side, <laughs> I think Wentz could uh, sack a, a bunch of times again. Um, their offense was uh, pretty putrid. Uh, McLaurin, 6 for 102, no TDs, Curtis Samuel. Um, and Dotson, you know, uh, got brought down to. Um, I think all of McLaurin's catches were in the second half, as far as I remember, because I believe he went to halftime with zero in fantasy. Um, another guy I don't like on their team, kind of arrow pointing down, that we were both decently high on was Antonio Gibson. Um, they just they're they're going to play from behind a ton. They're not giving him you know a, a ton of receiving opportunities. I think that's McKissick at this point. And McLaurin, Samuel, Dotson, Logan Thomas, there's just a ton of mouths to feed when they start throwing the ball. So Gibson, at least in my mind, is kind of arrow pointing down type of guy. Yeah, you got a you got a bunch of people trying to do all the same things. I think that's the problem. You got yeah. you know, Curtis Samuel is kinda of like, you know, that short to you know, uh intermediate game um, and can run out of the backfield as a receiver. Uh, McKissick is definitely a running back that plays more as a receiver. Um, and then Gibson was a receiver in college, um, but now is their lead back. So uh, I think, it, you know, um, it's going to be interesting. You know, game game one, Gibson got seven targets and did a lot with it. Uh, but since game one, he hasn't done anything in the receiving game, and that's going to really hinder his value from a fantasy perspective. Uh, next game up, the New Orleans Saints played at Carolina. Uh, Carolina ended up taking the game 22-14. Um, Winston, from the, the New Orleans perspective, Winston threw the ball 41 times, 353 through the, through the air, uh, two more interceptions. Um, playing through the broken back that he's playing with, he, he looks like he's doing okay with it. Uh, Olave looked good. Michael Thomas left, I believe, with a toe injury. He's injured again? That's weird. Yeah, yep. That is so strange. And um, he is supposedly going to practice tomorrow. He didn't practice today. I believe they play in London this week. But um, the big takeaway on, on New Orleans is Kamara doesn't look like the Alvin Kamara that we saw from years past. He's, he's not getting a ton from a uh, from a receiver perspective. He got seven targets this week, only two catches for 12 yards, and uh, a lot of the rushing, you know, 15 for, for 61, obviously, is, you know, gameplay dependent. They were losing pretty much the whole game, so there wasn't a ton there for him, but, um, you know, just not looking like that, you know, first round, second round 
running back that we all drafted him as. Yeah, I mean, um, I have him. So uh, I'm that guy. I thought, you know, he was going to, um, you know, without the suspension looming uh, from the off-field incident early in the year, I thought, like, how can I not not draft this guy, you know, uh, in the first round? Um, I picked him at 10. I thought he was going to do well. Just hasn't really, uh, you know, um, paid me back uh, on the investment I made in him. I think partly for that is just that – He's not getting the same usage in the passing game that he once had. Um, you know, just as a one-dimensional running back, that's not who Kamara is. He's a, you know, he needs to get, you know, uh, he had seven targets but only had two uh, two catches. He needs to be the guy that's catching four to six passes a game along with, you know, uh, 15 to 20 carries to be the guy that we want him to be. Um, I will say that Chris Olave was somebody I was high on uh, from the rookie class and, uh, nine nine for 147 on 13 targets. Yeah, he looks good. Second week in a row that he's led the team in targets. And, uh, I mean, Winston just likes to throw the ball deep. So, uh, Chris Olave happens to be that deep threat. So, um, if you have him, I would, you know, potentially uh, put him in your lineup. I think he's a wide receiver three with, you know, tons of upside. Um, again, that could change uh, if, you know, uh, the Red Rocket comes in or somebody else comes in. I think that... Um, I heard that Taysom Hill was taking uh, uh, second team, you know, uh, reps at quarterback, which just muddies the water. Like they don't know what they what to do with that guy. Uh, you know, he's playing tight end, he's playing running back, he's playing quarterback. So we'll see. McCaffrey had a pretty decent game, 25 for you know 108, but still, even a guy that potentially is going number one, he's not playing the end zone, he's not getting uh, you know um, a ton of receptions. Uh, for this, the, uh, I mean, Baker <laughs> um, only completed 12 passes uh, in this game. So, yeah, he didn't look uh, good. Uh, he hasn't looked good the whole year. Um, speaking of that, I mean, um, I was pretty high on uh, DJ Moore. He had one reception for two yards. I mean, he's like borderline droppable, and he could be your wide receiver one. Um, so uh, it's if you have him, it's definitely time to uh, – you know, uh, be a little worried. I don't know. Um, right now, I don't think you, I would say trade him. I just don't think you're going to get anything for him. So I think you might have to hold on him. But he's definitely he needs to be benched um, until further notice. If you if you don't own more and you believe in him, now is a buy low opportunity without a doubt. I don't I know how much better it might get with Baker because he doesn't look good, but. Uh, Moore's ended up with a thousand yards with three or four years in a row. He's performed, you know, year after year. So with shitty quarterbacks, um, this is just obviously the lowest he's been since then. So yeah, not looking good for him. And that brings us into the next game: um, Jaguars, uh, Chargers, and you know, speaking of that bright spot right now, um, the Jaguars look good, man. Uh, Thirty-eight to ten over the Chargers. Again, the Chargers just a mess. Um, talked about them being in my top five of power rankings. Um, if we redo that, they are not there now. Um, they have had a slew of injuries. J.C. Jackson did not play in the defensive end. Um, Joey Bosa just went out with an injury and that requires surgery. He's going to IR. Um, those are two huge uh, parts of their defense. On top of the fact that their best player, Justin Herbert, is banged up you know, with a rib injury. Um, and uh, they have offensive line issues. So uh, they're a mess all around, but um, that's 
not taking anything away from how good Jacksonville has looked, and and Lawrence had a uh, had a pretty good game. So uh, what do you think, Nick? Yeah, Lawrence is looking like he could be a fantasy starter, or at least in that that you know top twelve Close type up. of category. Um, three more TDs this week. I think he's got six on the season, one turnover. Um, James Robinson looked really really good yet again, splitting carries with DTN, and he's still performing really really well. Um, Christian Kirk had a good game again. Marvin Jones and Zay Jones both played well. I think Zay Jones we can you know we'll touch base on on a waiver perspective, but he looked he looked really good and he's been getting eating up a lot of those targets. My one my one takeaway on the uh, LA side is is Eckler. He was a you know a top sometimes three. a top three pick, sometimes a top you know five, six, seven, whatever, whenever you got him. But he was a first round pick, uh, four carries or five yards. I don't believe he has a touchdown on the season. Salvaging his season from a PPR perspective with eight catches this week, and you know he, he's contributing each week with catches, but uh, just not looking like the guy that scored you know double digit touchdowns last year and ended as you know wide receiver, excuse me, running back. One, two, three, whatever league you were in, but uh, yeah, just not paying back the owners that drafted them in the first round. So that's that's three running backs now we've talked about, you know, um, in our league that went one, two, three, um, and you know we talked about this on episode one about you know is it time to start maybe taking some of these receivers first and you know uh, not all of them you know that we talked about uh, on you know the first podcast are you know, uh, killing it, you know, uh, and weeks, you know, two and three, um, some of which have fallen off drastically. Um, but I'll tell you what, uh, these guys that you picked, you know, uh, top five overall, or even in the first round, you know, uh, we're just speaking of Kamara. Yeah. I mean, you want them to do something and, and when they're not, uh, it makes it very difficult to, uh, to replace these guys you took in the you know first couple of rounds, especially the first, you know, like I said, five picks, uh, you want those guys to, you know, return on investment. Um, another guy, uh, Nick said he was going to talk about Zay Jones in a little bit you know, on a waiver wire segment, but Josh Palmer is another one. Um, again, he was kind of on the waiver wire segment last week, but if you didn't go out and get him, uh, he's a he's somebody to maybe take a look at. We'll talk about him further. He had six for 99, um, led the team not only uh, in targets but also in yards. Um, Mike Williams went. Uh, you know, uh, uh, in the shadows again, um, he only had one reception. He did, you know, salvage the day with a touchdown, but one reception, 15 yards, and a TD. I mean, uh, the Chargers are in trouble, no doubt about it. Just so banged up at this yep. point. Um, the next one we had here were was the Rams at the Cardinals. Uh, Rams ended up taking this game, which, again, you know, a little lower scoring uh, of a game similar to I, I think like the KC Indy game here a lot of the people thought that this was probably a lot higher scoring um, Stafford did not look good yet again coming from a Stafford owner that you know punted on my quarterback for a long time and ended up taking him late um, Cup dropped the touchdown from him I want to say it was in the third quarter but outside of that he didn't have a lot of opportunities he's not looking great I mean they're two and one but I'm a little worried on Stafford so far, not uh, not putting up, you know, the numbers that that he's capable of. And uh, one other touch point on the Rams that I had was the the 
Cam Akers takeover of, of the backfield. Daryl Henderson was, was there week one. I think everyone thought that they got him super late and he would pay some dividends there and four for 17 this week while Akers has, you know, 12 touches from from a rushing perspective, gets in the end zone. Um, just looks like the dominant back in, in the backfield. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I have Darrell Henderson in a league, so um, kind of unfortunate. I thought I uh, got a steal there, but uh, we'll, we'll see what, uh, how this um, backfield uh, shapes up. Neither really look uh, fantastic, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, so I think it's uh, something that could change on a week-in and week-out basis, and if you're an owner of either one, uh, it can be frustrating to figure out whether or not you can start these guys. Uh, on the flip side, I, ha- I have James Conner in the league, and uh, he was a little banged up, uh, and you could see it in the game. 13 for 39, did not get an end zone. Uh, had three receptions for 18 yards, but um, you know, Eno Benjamin uh, kind of took over as the second down back last week. We talked about Darrell Williams potentially being that guy. Eno Benjamin kind of showed everyone that hey, slow to pump the brakes. I think it, you know, it might be um, Benjamin. Uh, but again, if Connor's healthy, he's going to be the bell cow uh, in that backfield. But um, Marquise Brown was an absolute stud in this game. He had 14 receptions for 140 yards on 17 targets. Um, definitely Kyler's go-to guy at this point in time. Uh, Greg Dortch, again, a guy we talked about in the waiver wire column, you know, for a couple weeks in a row, nine for 80 with 10 targets. Um, I mean, he's still there. He's still putting up numbers. It'll be curious. Uh, to see what they do when, you know, these these uh, receiving weapons that they have, Hopkins um, uh, coming back after suspension. Um, we'll see. Uh, but, I mean, Arizona looks terrible. They had another head coach that might get fired in season if they continue uh, up this. Uh, yeah, Kingsbury does, it definitely is not safe. Marquise Brown also did that against Ramsey, which is super surprising as Ramsey – he can get he can get beat, but he's typically not a you know a 14 catch type of guy that he, he giving that that those type of stats up. But Brown looked really really good in the game, and um, Kyler obviously is is using him as as wide receiver one right now. Um, but Dortch also is definitely a, a a solid wide receiver three in fantasy for sure. Yep, uh, I agree. He's available in a lot of leagues. Um, I think Rondell Moore will come back at some point. I think he actually practiced this week. Um, you know, he's supposed to be that slack guy, but I, I tell you what, they're just going to replace a guy that's been producing. I don't know. Uh, I mean, Dortch has been playing pretty well, so um, he might be there to stay uh, or at least be splitting minutes, you know, if Rondell uh, comes back. So. Yeah, agreed. Um, Higby had a pretty decent game. I talked about him on the waiver wire column, but again, nothing to write home about. Four for 51 did not uh, find that zone. Um, next game up on the on the list here, uh, the Falcons at the Seahawks. The Falcons, uh, they ended up winning this game. It was kind of a slow, it was a, it was a heck of a first half. They had 37 total in the first half, 13 in the second half, which is not typical, but... Um, my guy, Cordell Patterson, 17 carries, 141 yards and a touchdown. Just continues to get it done on the ground. Um, whether Atlanta's winning or losing, they run the ball with him. It, it's interesting to see. He's just found his niche year after years after, you know, after being in the NFL as a receiver. And I believe he's NFL record holder for uh, kick return touchdowns as well. I mean... He just looks really good. 
in that position. Um, Mariota did not look great. He had 229, you know, through the air. It didn't look didn't look great, but he did get the guys that you wanted. Um, Pitts and, and Drake London involved. Um, Pitts with 87 through the air and Drake London with 54 and a TD. Both of them looking better than they were earlier in the season for sure. Yeah, I mean, good to see Kyle Pitts finally get going. A lot of people took him early thinking he was going to be maybe have that breakout year and, you know, uh, go into that top three tight ends and he just has not uh, performed at all. Thus far. Uh, so good to see him. But again, 5 for 87 is not uh, amazing. And again, uh, staying allergic to the end zone, uh, can't seem to get in the end zone. On the flip side, DK Metcalf, 5 for 64 in a TD. He leads the NFL in red zone targets. Um, they're going to be playing from behind a lot. The Seattle Seahawks just suck. That's just the bottom line. Um, and Tyler Lockett's got a thing going on, uh, you know, a connection um, with Geno. So uh, it's two weeks in a row that he's uh, led the team in receptions. I think that uh, that's a good thing if you're an owner or you took him late uh, in fantasy drafts. I think he's definitely startable. Uh, maybe as your you know wide receiver three uh, with some upside and then DK he's he's been um, he's been all right I mean he hasn't been fantastic but uh, you know the fact that he always has a ton of targets he's heavily uh, targeted in the red zone and he's a bigger receiver a more physical receiver I think that you know um, in your flex or wide receiver three spot he's got some serious upside he's an arrow pointing up guy for me too I think he his projections are, are low in most of the leagues that I'm in but I, I I think he's a he's he's a solid he's a higher ceiling type of guy where he he could go off in any of these weeks and I think he's due for one of those games where he's you know seven for one twenty and two TDs or something like that. The guy has done it before and he's that right. good, so uh, I, I agree. Uh, he might be somebody a trade candidate if you're you know trying to you know. Get get rid of one of those top running backs, and you want to get a running back coupled with a receiver. You know, uh, maybe uh, that's a receiver to a couple, uh, maybe a a running back too with for one of those top guys we talked about earlier on running back. Um, next game, I think we all thought that we'd probably be talking about this game for a little bit more and a little bit longer, but the Packers at the Buccaneers ended up, the Pack ended up taking this game. Um, Brady led them down. Game sky, uh, excuse me. Game basically on the line, scored a TD, and they needed the two-point conversion. He couldn't get it done. His his receivers in this game were, you know, kind of very very slim. Obviously, they were yeah, injured as well. And Gage was really the only one, I guess, that performed, you know, well in the game. Um, but not a ton from a fantasy perspective in this game at all. Yeah, I mean, kind of an ugly game. I think the thing that bothers me the most is like. You know, Tampa couldn't do anything all game, and then when the game was on the line, Tom went right down the field and scored. It's like, you know, why couldn't you even at least do that to get in field goal range before that? I mean, just not putting enough points on the board and, you know, having to go down not only score a touchdown, but then also get a two-point conversion just to tie it. I mean, uh, it gives me some faith in Russell Gage. I mean, he was somebody a lot of people were high on prior to the season, and then Godwin started to get a little bit more healthy, so they were like, put him on the back burner they went out and got um you know uh, uh 
uh, what's his name? Julio. Uh, yeah, Julio Jones. So people, you know, worried about you know him. So he took a, a pretty indefinite backseat. You know, had to be the guy this week with a suspension from Mike Evans and those other guys being injured. Um, I mean, 13 targets. He caught 12 of them for 87 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he did almost everything you want. Uh, you can't you ask, ask for more. Him. Yeah, yeah can't so ask for I mean, uh, he, he played well. And then on the flip side, I mean kind of same same situation for Aaron hasn't really had a go-to guy you know everyone said it was going to be Lazard he's been banged up had a touchdown but four for 45 no real identity of who their number one guy is and uh, this week it was uh, Romeo Dubs eight for 73 in a TD I had him um, I dropped him but I mean he caught all his targets and scored I mean uh, if you're trying to gain trust of your quarterback I mean that's a way to do it so he's a guy that I would say is uh, trending upward um, again, him and Russell Gage, for that matter, uh, on the waiver wire. Uh, another guy for Green Bay, Lazard. I don't know the exact number, but I believe going back to last year in games that Lazard has started, I want to say he's five or six straight games with a touchdown. Yeah. I mean, Rodgers Rogers just targets him. He's, he's pretty reliable in the red zone as well. Uh, so if, if Dobbs can, you know, be that be the guy Lazard's a, a heck of a second fiddle if not you know a, right there with him as the you know wide receiver one it's going to help them tremendously Jones and Dylan you know is is going to be is going to be good and their defense showed up I think that's that that's a big change that that they needed you know limiting Brady to 12 points I don't care who Brady's throwing to that's not typical you know, Brady could be thrown to you and I most of the time. He's going to score more than 12 points. So I, I think that's a big change for them. I, I was very, very down on Green Bay going into this week and I still am. pretty much into the season. Um, they could prove us wrong, but I, they have an easy game this week. If they ended up taking care of business, they'll be 3-1. That That's that's a good start. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see where they end up this season. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I think on both sides, um, I obviously want to see what Tom Brady does. I think that this is probably his last season plan. So um, as a huge Tom Brady guy, even though I'm a, I'm a homer with, you know, the Patriots, I still love Tom Brady. I think he's the GOAT. Um, I don't think anyone will do what he's done. And um, i like to see him go out with a bang uh, if the Patriots aren't going to do anything. Uh, that's just a homer in me. Um so it's unfortunate right now because all his weapons are hurt. So hopefully when they get back, we'll see, you know, um, what Tom's really made of and, you know, put some more points on the board. Uh, but that brings us to our next game, another really hideous, ugly game. San Francisco 49ers, um, uh, Denver Broncos final was 10 to 11. I mean, Nick, I mean, I don't really have too many takeaways about this game, but tell me what you thought. I wrote it in our notes, but I think that this game set offensive football back 25 years i watched the entire game because it's sunday night football you can't get those minutes back i made i made chili i sat down with a nice big bowl of chili thinking i'm gonna get into a nice sunday night football game and this game was just disgusting from the start i was completely wrong on russell wilson going into the season i think a lot of people were um the the coaching in denver is I just, I'm not positive why they're still giving Melvin Gordon the the ball and the carries that that they're giving him right now. 2.2 yards a carry. And Javante is not looking like he's, you know, Ladanian Tomlinson by any means, but he has no groove that he can get into because he knows two plays later he's going to be off the field. Um, I think Cortland Sutton here is 
you know the one takeaway he looked good yeah he's been he's been the constant for them let me ask you something you know um before we switch gears to san fran and i got a few things to say about them um but russell wilson i mean is this like russell wilson is like over the hill and he's just washing he's just not a good quarterback anymore or is it the coaching or is it a little bit of both i mean what do we think here i mean it's just i really again uh i got him late uh in one of my leagues thinking like this dude's going to a pretty good offense. I mean, he's got a lot of weapons. You know, he could really do something, and he has been just subpar at best. Um, I mean, uh, Eli talking trash, of all people to be talking trash, <laughs> that, that they should have gave all the money to the punter and not him. I mean, um, that's hilarious. Uh, I, so. think, I think I think uh, a part of it, too, and I, I obviously you can only do so much if your quarterback sucks, but I don't think Wilson sucks, but... The guys that we all thought, I think, that were going to be good, you know, Javante in the passing game, Albert O was, you know, a sleeper tight end late. Jerry Judy, people had as, you know, their wide receiver two or three, somewhere in, in that sixth, seventh round range. They've all underperformed. Um, Melvin Gordon shouldn't get the touches that, he, that he's getting right now with, you know, like we just talked about, 2.2 yards per carry. I think what, what made Wilson good in Seattle was they ran the ball and they played defense and Wilson had play action and all of that type of stuff. They don't have that right now and their defense looks really good. Obviously they only gave up 10 points, but I don't think Wilson's over the hill. I think they'll eventually figure it out, honestly. Um, But I think what with that coming, uh, with them figuring out their offense will come with Javante being the number one back being a 20 carry a week guy, getting him in a groove, and just just giving that play action an opportunity, because as soon as Wilson has the opportunity, he throws a hell of a deep ball. Sutton looks good, and if he can catch one or two of those a game, I mean, they, that could be 14 points right there. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's more coaching than anything else. Like you just said, like maybe just letting Javante be the bell cow maybe switching up their offense a little bit more and, and, and seeing, but um, just have them like what I've seen uh, uh, from them. I will say that Denver Broncos, if you, if, if you know, they're not owned as a defense for fantasy purposes, might be one of those that you want to stream for this week. They've looked pretty good uh, this week specifically. Um, on the flip side, I mean, I thought that, you know, with Jimmy G, they were going to be a better option. Um, you know, uh, they stated that uh, the team – had faith in him. Um, man, he looked absolutely terrible. He had a pick and a safety in the same play. Um, <laughs> it was just, it was insane. I didn't even know that happens. It was just, it was just terrible. Ayuk scored almost like immediately, and I was like, sweet, this guy's gonna have a game. He's gonna have the game I've been waiting for him to have, and that was it. Like, he didn't do anything for the remainder of the game. Um, you know, Wilson was okay, I guess. You know, 12 carries, 75 yards, averaging a pretty decent uh, clip at 6.3, but no TDs. Yeah, Sam Lido, okay game, five for seventy-three. I just, it was Jimmy G though. He just didn't, he under, he just underwhelmed me. And yeah, I mean, uh, at Denver is a tough place to play, but also Garoppolo didn't play a ton, if any, in the preseason. I don't even know if he played in the preseason. And th- these were almost like preseason games for him at this point. So he, he, that's a tough spot. I think it'll be better days for them. And Debo looked pretty good. Um, you know, Wilson looked okay. I think they have a decent offense around him where he'll he'll I, I think San Fran will be there at the end of the season at least for the division you know 
maybe maybe make the playoffs type of thing. But obviously they have to you know score more than ten points. It was just ugly in Denver. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't I don't really have any more takeaways. I mean that takes us to a last game on the docket, which is the Monday night game. Uh, I said la- uh, last week I thought this was a game to yep. you know keep an eye on. It, it didn't disappoint. It was a really good game. You know, pretty much down to the wire. Uh, Dallas versus New York. Um, divisional game, Dallas wins uh, 23-16. I mean, what do you, what were your takeaways, Nick? Um, boring first half, very, very boring first half, and an awesome second half. Yep. I think CeeDee Lamb dropping the touchdown, the long touchdown, but then coming back, basically having his own drive. I think he had three or four catches on the drive, including the touchdown. Hit. Yeah, left-handed, one-hander was awesome. Um, our good buddy, who's also in our league with us, Lima, it was his birthday on Monday, and the Cowboys played on his birthday for Monday Night Football. So that led me to a conversation with him, and ultimately led me to betting the Cowboys and the over. So that was um, that was a nice little gift that I that I got from Lima, talking to him on his birthday, and and you know having faith in the Cowboys. Um, but outside of outside of them. Again, Saquon looked really, really good. Um, his burst, he looks like he's one of the fastest guys in the league. On a really bad offense, typically running backs are not thriving, especially when they're usually uh, losing most of the time. But he's finding ways to get it done, catching balls, and also getting yards after the catch when he's catching them, not just little two or three-yard dump-offs. And uh, his touchdown was awesome. Yeah, the touchdown was uh, really good. I think, like you said, uh, speaking about that burst and that top speed, that's something that we haven't seen in a couple of years due to you know a At slew all. of injuries. So definitely good to see. I will say um, Daniel Jones just sucks still. I mean, he's just absolutely terrible. Uh, they have no receiving game at all. Their leading receiver in Sterling Shepard uh, out with injuries, out for the year. So um, I, don't, I have no idea what their identity is. I think you know, Barkley was their second leading receiver. I mean, the guy can't do everything and they expect them to, to win. Uh, someone's going to have to step up. The mannequin's going to have to come back and play. Um, uh, Tony is, you know, on the milk cart, and I don't know where the hell he's at. You know, uh, Bellinger's been an okay uh, tight end, but I mean, they need somebody else in a receiving game to do something. Um, on the flip side, um, for the Dallas standpoint, I mean, Cooper Rush, man, uh, gets thrown in the starting gig, and he he's good. played well. I mean, um, you know, uh, not superstar S, but definitely getting the job done. As, as good as the catch was by C.D. Lamb, the ball thrown was just as good, so only in a spot in which, you know, he can catch it, so uh, awesome. And then the one-two punch of Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott was, was pretty good in this game. I mean, um, Pollard obviously looking like the more explosive back, but um, to, to allow, you know, him to get rest while Ezekiel, you know, uh, gets some burn um, definitely helps out. Um, so we touched on a lot of these guys, but we can run through some of the waiver, some of the waiver pickups that we had this week that we, you know, had on guys. Um, I think the segment will be a little bit shorter just because we've we've already touched on again a lot of these guys throughout this this past rundown of, of week three. But um, looking forward to week four, I think a lot of these guys at this point will be owned, um, if not. You know the majority of the leagues they'll be owned in, but I had my priority guy obviously as Jamal Williams this week. I think he's at this point going to be an automatic start almost until Swift comes back. 
they look he looks really good in, in general. Um, a few other guys that I had on here, Romeo Dobbs from Green Bay, looked really good this week. Uh, Dortch from Arizona, I think Hopkins out till week six, week seven, whatever it is. And then um, two more that I had on here that if if I'd be very surprised if they both weren't owned at this point, but um, Alexander Madison from Minnesota and Khalil Herbert, uh, they were both drafted. In probably most most leagues, I'm not sure if Herbert was kept at that point, um, you know, up until this week. But if Montgomery misses any time, Herbert looked like a stud. Yeah, I mean, um, I really don't have uh, too many guys um, to um, to add than those guys. Uh, I mean, I would say that uh, Dubbed right now, I think uh, personally, probably um, up there with my you know number one uh, waiver ads. Again, if you need somebody at tight end, um, you know, Conklin uh, from the Jets might be a guy to yep. uh, take a look at. I just think, you know, uh, proceed with caution with a potential quarterback change um, to see if he's still going to get as many uh, targets as uh, he has uh, received. But I think he's definitely um, a guy to take a look at. Hollins, we talked about him from Vegas. Uh, he had, again, coming up multiple games with a lot of targets and a breakout game last game. Zay Jones, another guy in uh, Jacksonville, uh, he's been, you know, not number one in team and targets, but uh, probably the number two receiver there and, you know, a pass happy offense right now. Greg Dortch, same thing. Um, Richard James Jr. from the Giants, they have to pass the ball to somebody. So uh, he looked explosive. Might, might be a guy you want to take a look at. At some point in time, Michael Gallup's going to come back from Dallas. Um, and I do think that if he does come back, he's a guy to take a look at, maybe try to get a week ahead and, and take him up now. Um, Russell Gage, another guy. Um, you know, Palmer from from the Chargers. Uh, Williams, again, we talked about him uh, from Detroit. But um, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Um, Madison's definitely a guy I think to keep in mind. I don't think Cook should play this week, uh, being the fact that they have a good backup. Uh, but... I'm not the coach. I'm just uh, I'm just a cop. So who knows? One last thing on Zay Jones. I I caught this on Twitter today, but his eight straight games of eight targets or more, which surprised the hell out of me because you know who is Zay Jones? But eight straight games of eight targets is someone who the quarterback obviously trusts at this point, and the coaching staff you know trust to, to design plays for him I mean, what do you, I mean in fantasy what do we chase we chase volume I right. mean and that's that's potential volume uh eight, eight targets a game I mean you can't ask for much more than that I mean well, I'm not from a waiver wire play. guy that's for certain no. so I mean he that, that to me that's somebody that you can potentially just put in your starting lineup you know even if it's at a flex or wide receiver three uh spot but I mean that's it's some some upside on a on a team that's definitely trending in the right direction no doubt um, so last week we, we started with our power rankings. I think uh, a few of these teams will probably not be on there this week. But um, we we had we both had the Bills and KC one and two, and then we had Philly and Tampa three and four. Uh, just flip flopped. I had Miami at five. You had the Chargers at five. Um, this week I'm assuming is going to look a little different on yours. It definitely looks a little different on mine. Um, so my five that I had this week were, I had Philly at one. I was going to put Miami at one, but I'm, I'm, once I started looking at Tua's numbers, I just, 
I still think it's a quarterback-driven league, and I think if we put him on a neutral field, Hertz is just better than Tua. And I, I just had to put Philly one. I put Miami two. Um, I kept Buffalo at three because I still think I just I couldn't put another team ahead of Buffalo. I still think that they're one of the best teams in the league, if not, you know, the best team. I think if you put them again against any of the NFC teams right now in a Super Bowl matchup, they're probably favored. So I kept them at three. I kept KC at four, which during our conversation today kind of made me think, you know, is that good? Is that bad? But I'm interested to see what they do moving forward. And then I put Baltimore at five. I think going into Foxborough, whether Mac Jones got injured, whether Mac Jones, you know, threw three picks or whatever, um, going into Foxborough is not an easy task. It just, Lamar looks like he's unguardable at this point from passing perspective, rushing the ball all over the place. Uh, my one I guess concern with them obviously is their defense kind of sucks and they're a little banged up and they hold up I agree so they have a tough test this week obviously Baltimore comes uh, excuse me Buffalo comes into Baltimore so that's kind of a make or break game for their defense because if they can't stop Mac Jones and the Patriots then they're gonna have a really tough time stopping Josh Allen um but those are my five you know um I'm, I'm thinking about it in hand. So just to recap your five, you have uh, Eagles one, Dolphins two, Buffalo three, KC four, and then rounding out the fifth, you have the Baltimore Ravens? Yeah, I'm an AFC guy. I, I'm not going to lie. I I have it not only the same, but also in the very same order. Um, uh, I really, uh, I mean, maybe I would say I could flip-flop the Ravens and the Chiefs, just the mere fact that how good Lamar's looked. Um, but uh, Mahomes is still Mahomes. I mean, as much as I said that they could be one and two, uh, they're not. Um, at the end of the day, they are two and one, and he doesn't throw that pick and they go down the field. They might have won. They, they could be, be three now. So, um, I mean, uh, but yeah, I'm an AFC guy too right now. Uh, just even though. The Rams are two and one, and their Super Bowl champion. Stafford just hasn't looked like the the person that he was last year, and um, there's no one really else uh, on in the NFC that's you know jumping out to besides the the Eagles. To say, I mean like, Tampa. Hey, here. I, I think we both had Tampa up there. They're just so banged up right now, and mm-hmm. you know Brady again is throwing the ball to a bunch of no name guys outside of Gage. Their defense looks awesome. Tampa's defense looks great, but until they get fully healthy and, you know, obviously they get Evans back this week, which is going to be good for them, and that might just put them right back in, you know, getting Mike Evans back just might put them right back into the groove. Um, So, I I mean, I would put them... Julio's going to play. They said, who knows? I would put Tampa in that 6-7 range still, uh, mainly because their defense, even though they lost, they still only let up 14 points. They, they, their defense is, is, you know, top three, top five in the league. Um, so, yeah. I, w- I mean, I would put them there, but they're really the only other I think, NFC I, I think, team as well. I, I think the Rams and Bucks are, are probably my six and seven. I will say that the Jacksonville Jaguars, they, they come in and, you know, go wild on, a, uh, on another team. Uh, again, I'm going to say that the defense has looked pretty decent on top of their offense, yeah. looking pretty good. So, I'm not quick to you know pull the trigger saying they're in my top five but i i feel like that is one team that is definitely trending in the right direction 
yeah, their defense looks good. And Lawrence, I mean, Lawrence is another three touchdown, zero pick game away from being in the MVP conversation too, especially if they can somehow get a stranglehold on Kirk's that division. looking like he's worth every dollar they paid him, I'll tell you that. We'll see, we'll see. Um, I don't really want to cover this to end here because it's embarrassing, but I threw five games out there last week and um, one pushed and four lost. It, it just really, really bad. This is why I don't bet. Really bad. Uh, I did well with player props, uh, you know, uh, before the games and everything, but nothing that we talked about on here. Um, so 4 and one, week two, one eight and one year to date on Yikes. my bets that I've thrown on on here on the pod. Um, I have a few more this week, and my fifth, I I don't think I'm going to take, but. I'll leave it on here because it's already written down. Um, so I'm going to ride with the Bills over again. Uh, the Bills are at Baltimore. Uh, the over-under is 51.5. I, I just think that the Baltimore Ravens' defense is not great, so they're, they're bound to let up 24-ish points, if not more. And Baltimore's also going to score points because Jackson can't be held down for the entire game. So I wouldn't be surprised if that's you know a 30-27 type of game you know, something along those lines, 30-24 or something like that. There's some good games this week, though, I'll say that. Some very good matchups this week. Um, the next one I have on there is Denver and Las Vegas. The over-under is 45-and-a-half. Um, I took the under at 45-and-a-half. I just think we talked about this, obviously, during the recap, but Denver's offense is kind of a mess. I don't think they're going to figure it out in one week. And but their defense is pretty good. Their so defense could... is very good. Right. So, so Sertan is going to go up against Devontae Adams. My guess is he's not going to lock him down completely, but uh, Vegas hasn't looked great. Carr has not it. looked very good at all. 0-3. So I took the under there. Um, I'm going to ride with my bet that I'm going to bet the Jets every week for the rest of the season. And I took them plus three and a half at Pittsburgh. Um, a big portion of that is Fitzpatrick may not play. And if he doesn't play, I think Pittsburgh defense is in trouble big time. And the Jets defense has not been, they haven't been terrible. Um, numbers wise, they're not great, but a lot of the, a lot of the games that they, that they've lost again, they lost the Baltimore game. Obviously they looked horrendous. Um, the Cincinnati game, they gave up a lot of those points towards the end when they were already losing, uh, put in a bad position. I just don't see Pittsburgh running away with the game at all. At Pittsburgh, it's usually a lower-scoring place to play anyways, and Flacco has played against Pittsburgh. If Wilson comes back this week, maybe that changes things, but if Flacco plays again, he's played against Pittsburgh at Pittsburgh a lot of times in his career. Um, Dallas... I have minus three this week. I believe they're playing the Commanders at home. I think this might be a Monday night, I guess, high that I'm riding with Dallas, uh, minus three. But typically a division game, minus three at home is, is not really an, you know, an off-putting spread for me. It's not a ton of points. I think Dallas is better. Um, Dak said he might play, but I, I think they've already kind of ruled him out. Rush looked good. And Dallas' defense on turf is really, really, really fast. I'm glad, I'm glad that you just brought up that point about their defense. Um, I meant to say this uh, earlier. Again, we don't really talk about, like, 
kickers and defenses on the waiver wire column, but talk about a streamable defense this week. I would say the Cowboys have to be, uh, uh, along with Denver, has to be on that tier of potential pickups. Washington uh, gave up nine sacks to Philly, and they're going against Dallas, who might have a better pass rush between Parsons and Demarcus Lawrence. Demarcus Lawrence looked like an animal Monday night, and obviously Parsons getting doubled left and right. Uh, but their their front four, front five, and front seven look really, really good. Uh, I think they're going to tee off so on Washington. So th- through th- uh, three games, Carson Wentz has been sacked 15 times. Yeah, that's not a good. 15 not a good times game. in three games. And I Dallas mean, is going to ru- They're going to rush, you know, four the whole game. They're Carson's not going to have the blitz. Be, uh, yeah, they're in trouble. So I, I took that minus three. And then one that we talked about, and I'm not really sure what's going on here, but Miami is playing at Cincinnati Thursday night. Uh, two was questionable, so this was part of it, but uh, Cincinnati is favored by three and a half. I think it's up to four at this point. Um, so I, I took Miami here getting the points. I'm not positive why Miami's getting so many points here. I know it's a short week. I know they played a, a, tough, a tough game. I know it's at Cincinnati, but... I just think Miami's a. Well, obviously, we put them in our power rankings. You know, two. Um, I just think they're better than Cincinnati. It could be a close game. I wouldn't even be super surprised if Cincinnati ended up winning the game. They play a lot of close games as well. But Miami's defense looks good. Their offense looks decent, and they're gonna have a shot to to outscore Cincinnati. I would. I wouldn't be surprised if Miami won the game outright. But I'll take the points. Yeah, um, that's a game. So one of the marquee matches of the week, I think, uh, and it just happens to be a Thursday night game, which is awesome to have. That's just two weeks in a row now. We've been blessed on Thursday with a, a good game. Um, the bad ones were coming. I mean, I I personally want the Bengals to win because Dolphins are in the Pats, you know, division. Um, but I'm going to be realistic with it. Again, talking about a guy that's been sacked, uh, you know, um, countless times. Um, is the Bengals quarterback, um, and, and I just, I, I don't know, um, I'm not sold, and, and if, you know, I think that Mike McDaniel will be looking at things like that, so they're probably going to send a ton of blitzes his way, um, you know, uh, I, I, I'm curious how this goes, um, I don't want to see Dolphins uh, start 4-0, but <laughs> it might happen, uh, it might happen, so, uh, We'll see. That's a that's a great game. Yeah, it's a fishy little bet. I'm not again. I'm not positive why they're getting points, and I'm not you know a line maker by any means. But I'm just very surprised that they're getting four at this point, and the, the lines being bet up. So um, I could be a, a square for betting them in in that manner, but we'll see. I'm interested to watch the game regardless. What about, what about Jaguars Eagles? The over under is 47 points. I mean, uh, Eagles defense the last two weeks has been stout, and Jaguars are pretty good. But we're talking about two very high octane offenses curious to see like you know what that goes 47 points is still 47 points a lot um uh i think that's going to be a game to watch uh that's a prove it game for me for both teams but really the jaguars are to see if they're legit or not um but again uh maybe if you're thinking that uh could be a high scoring offense might be uh, one of that same things with the chief and bucks that's a 45 uh point um over under um if the Bucks get all their weapons back, I mean that could be a shootout. Uh, the uh, the public hates Tampa this week for sure. I, I believe it's like 76% of the bets are on the Chiefs. It's only a one point swing, so I mean it's uh, 
that's not that's not a huge thing. So, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I mean, Tampa's tough at home. Yeah. And Brady's been good against Mahomes in his career. I again, I wouldn't be surprised either either way in that game. Um. I, points are going to be scored. It's going to be a prove a game. Yeah. It's kind of a prove a game for both. I mean, Brady came out in the presser basically stating like my offense, you know, defense has been playing great. I need to put up points. So if he gets his weapons back, he's going to try to be putting up points. And then on the flip side, Mahomes coming off a loss, and not only just a loss, but he lost the game on an interception. So um, you know, he's going to come out slinging. I think um, again, we talked about it. They have no run game, so they're going to have to pass the ball. Um, so uh, I think that you know. Um, that's going to be an entertaining game. And then one more that I had on here that I, I, I didn't put on the list, but I was I was thinking about putting it on the list, was uh, the Packers-Patriots. The over-under is 40-and-a-half. Um, I would take the under in the game. They're in Green Bay. Hoyer's playing. Patriots are probably going to run Hoyer's the ball. Playing. Why is Hoyer playing? I still – I just can't – I just – I'm having a hard time wrapping my head around this. I was actually game. supposed to go to this game, and I'm glad that I'm not going to this game, but – I, I, the Patriots are going to have to run the ball, you know, 50 times and run the ball well, I think, to win. So I think that they bleed a lot of clock here. I think it's going to be a low possession uh, type of type of game. And, and it's just going to be – I think it's just going to be low scoring. Yeah, I can see something like, you know, 24-17 type of game, 24-14. I, I don't see how the Pats score more than 14, 17 points in the game. That's pretty much it. So yeah. those those hopefully cash a little better than uh, than week two. Just a quick uh, update on something I wanted to look into um, while you were speaking. Uh, going back to the Miami Cincy game, uh, Burrow has been also sacked 15 times this year. So uh, just something to you know think about you know when it comes to uh, that game tomorrow night. Yeah, it's gonna be. I'm just I'm still very perplexed times. why. The line's going that way, but typically Vegas isn't wrong. So, yeah. again, maybe I'm <laughs> just betting into it like the public, you know, the just public. be careful. Joe Pesci will come out with a pen. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that's all That's all we got, I believe, this week. Um, episode three comes to a finish. Anything else before we uh, before we wrap it up? Man, I'm, like, I'm pretty amped on the amount of views that we've been getting, uh, people talking about it, still people coming up to me saying things they liked and uh, uh, didn't like uh, about the podcast. Uh, again, um, as much as this is a football podcast, we are you know, uh, talking about all sports uh, right now. The prevalent sport going on right now is NFLs, but you know, once uh, college basketball starts and the NBA season starts, we'll you know, be kind of dipping into uh, multiple sports. But again, we had to bring the presser about the Celtics. It was a pretty big deal, you know, before the season started. But again, as always, uh, send us questions. If you have questions, any feedback whatsoever, we appreciate it. And uh, I appreciate you guys listening and uh, tune in to next week. Yeah, absolutely. Much appreciated on the support. I know I talked to a lot of uh, friends and family that downloaded it this week for the first time and we're we're happy to see that we you know followed up with episode two after episode one and kind of thought oh hey maybe they're just doing this one time but um i mean i think we're just going to continue to do it you know tuesdays and and rock out i know we have fun on our end putting it together and just kind of getting something down on paper for us it's it's kind of therapeutic to actually go and talk through sports and 
know, forget about real life for a little bit sometimes. It's nice. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so thanks again, and uh, we look forward to seeing you next week, and uh, peace out. Absolutely.